Amen. So Mary, um, I don't know if it, yeah, is going to come and bring our readings of this morning. Thank you, Mary. The first reading is uh, Psalm 127, uh, the first verse, and it's a psalm of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. And the second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3 and verses 1 to 9. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not re yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. We'll put the first one up. So, as I said, the... Um, the message this morning really sort of draws on those two passages, and I've, uh, I've given it a little theme of take care or caution, God, God at work. Um, <clears throat> and those two passages link together, you know, read the, the psalm and uh, the reading there from 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, <clears throat> the Jewish understanding of their lives of faith was that they were God's people. And therefore, because they were God's people, God was present amongst them. And God was at work amongst them because they were not the finished article. They were all work in progress. <clears throat> and I suppose that's very much captured by Paul in verse 7 of the reading, who just reminds these faithful labourers in the church, neither you who plant or you who waters are anything. But it's only God who can make things grow. 
It just puts us in our place, I think. We come here as church, and we've been trying to regather following <clears throat> this uh, pandemic, and we may be unsure, maybe, of what regathering even means now. And I felt, uh, because of that, it'd be quite appropriate to just reflect a bit on uh, what church might look like uh, as we move forward into the future. Is it going to be just the same as we had before? Or could it be something different? Now, you may have views on this either way, but uh, um, I'm just going to help us try and reflect on that a bit more. I also want us to reflect on... Um, what we do as church, you know, we obviously come together on a Sunday morning typically to worship, but, but this church historically has qu- had quite a lot of other activities. You know, what do we do as church? And rather importantly, by the way, is why? You know, why do we do what we do? And sometimes we can lose sight of that. <clears throat> we can get so busy in church with our doing... But that becomes our main reason for being here. And we can lose sight of what's most important, which is who we are, our being, not our doing. The person we are in Christ before God, beloved children. We need to be conscious of who we are, in fact, whose we are as God's people, because that actually is the, the foundation, as it were, which we then go on and do anything else from. If we lose sight of that foundation, then our works are nothing. Now, it's quite understandable that at times uh, we all get tired, physically tired, of doing God's work. Because uh, we're only mortal people. But it's quite important we don't get tired of God's work. And one simple way of avoiding that trap, of getting tired of God's work, is to remember, as the psalmist is saying, and as Paul is saying, that actually, first and foremost, it is God's work. It's God alone who brings the growth. Our role is really as, as grateful people, grateful recipients of God's grace, who are invited, amazingly invited, to join in with what God wishes to do. It is God's initiative. It is not ours. I think that's probably where Jesus reminds us in Matthew's Gospel that our labour for God should not be an onerous burden. I know, I've had experiences where it can become so, and I know a number of you well enough now to know it can become so as well. But Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When our work in the church becomes onerous, I suggest we need to step back and reflect a little bit on whether we are losing the perspective of why we're doing it in the first place. And I say why we do it in the first place is because we have just been invited by God to join in what he's doing. We've been invited to tag along and enjoy the ride. Another example in scripture that affirms this perspective can be gained from Psalm 127 as well. As Mary said, it is entitled uh, A Song of Ascents of Solomon. Okay, now Solomon, you may remember, was the king of Israel 
A man who, rather than asking God for worldly riches and worldly success, asked for wisdom. So this psalm is the wise words of the man who did also a lot of building in his own lifetime. He built in Jerusalem, he built the temple, he built the palace palace for himself. And we're told in 2 Chronicles that he also rebuilt many surrounding towns and villages. So he knew plenty about building, a bit like Peter Herring, really. There was plenty about building. Um, But he also knew the futility of doing so when he was just going to rely on his own strength, if he was just going to rely on his own worldly wisdom and resources for doing so. He had the experience to write those words, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman will stand guard in vain. And we can see the same thing in Solomon, actually, elsewhere in in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which is also believed to be authored by him. It's a very unusual book. Some people really don't like it at all. It could be considered the most godless book in the Bible uh, quite easily. There's almost no reference to the Lord within it. And yet it is a central part of the Bible's wisdom literature. And the reason it's so central, it's a beautiful piece of poetic writing, just purely from a literary point of view. But it's poetry that bemoans and points out the utter futility of living life in the absence of God. It opens with these words, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. You see why people suddenly don't really like this too much. What does a man gain from all his labour? Well, as he toils under the sun. And as Christians, we too can find that our well-intentioned lives of service gets wrecked on the rocks of meaninglessness. And we risk doing that whenever we lose sight of why we do what we do. We lose sight of who we are, who we belong to before God in Christ. And when we do that, Instead of seeking to really serve him simply out of love and gratitude, we start focusing increasingly on the work and being frustrated by the work, and we get, as it were, further and further from the Lord day by day. So again, it's a good question to ask ourselves, why do I come to church? Why do I serve in the church? Is it because of what I do? Because maybe I like doing what I do in the church. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. You know, we have different gifts and, and people can enjoy what they do. That's absolutely great. All right. Or do I come here first and foremost because I just want to worship God and offer him in whatever way I can my grateful thanks? And therefore I can do anything, really, not just the jobs I like, the other jobs as well. In, in that Psalm 127... <clears throat> It refers to two basic actions of God. It refers to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, building, and it refers, secondly, to watching, which I suppose is another way of thinking about you know, guarding something or maintaining something even, you know, watching over it and continuing to make sure it's looked after. And what I want to do now is um, just look at um, those two things a little bit and just try and reflect on what that might mean for um, this church or any, any Christian church. So let me ask, what do we think we're building? What do we think we're building here 
as we return from our exile in COVID land, or pandemic land, or whatever you want to call it. But actually, a much better question is, what is God building? And we need to be careful, because those two questions are not the same question. Like any other church, with the best of intentions, and I mean that, the best of intentions, we can fall into the trap of building what we like, building what we prefer, things that actually serve us much more effectively than they serve the Lord. Peter uh, reflected on this a bit in one of his letters, 1 Peter 2.4, we read, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, <clears throat> you also, like living stones, are being built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to need my water for a minute. Bear me. <clears throat> That's a very succinct description of what God is building, both way back when Peter wrote his letter, but I believe what God continues to build right to the present day in the church. Living stones being put together in a spiritual, holy, sacrificial, get it all? Spiritual, holy, sacrificial place where, where they, we continue to offer sacrifice to God and that's our hearts and our thanksgiving. <clears throat> God's building activity has to start with us and it's always a work of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't start with our activities. He doesn't start with our computers or our sound desk. He doesn't start with our youth work. He doesn't start with the things we do. He starts with us. He's, <clears throat> the buildings and, the, and all the other things that go with it enable other things, but they are not where God is, is at work. So whether it's like clubs or fates or even hospitality, God starts with us. That's if, if, of course, we will let him. But the irony is, if we're honest, <clears throat> that this is often the last place we would rather he didn't start. We would rather he got us involved with all sorts of other things first. And the irony also is that we can often use the well-intended busyness of church life and how much we're doing as the excuse to avoid paying attention to what he is trying to do privately in our own lives. God seeks change within us. We are, as it were, the material, the building material of the kingdom. And he seeks change in us so that that change might be worked out through our lives into the world that he so much wants to reach. God, our loving Father, wants to transform us and it is a building project that has to start within each one of us. If we become too engrossed in the externals of doing church and fail to appreciate um, and participate in God's real work of change within each one of us, then ultimately our labour and our fruitless, fruit will be fruitless, even meaningless. I came across this little uh, uh, funny illustration about prayer and change. You know, we talk about prayer changing things, I hope, um, and yet 
we can be very contradictory. I'm just going to read this. A pastor who was settling into his new church placed a plaque outside of his office that said, prayer changes things. He came into his office on Tuesday morning and he found it turned towards the wall. So he said it right again. On Thursday, he found it turned against the wall. He turned it back again and he decided he should really go ahead and find out what was going on. <clears throat> so he stayed late on Sunday, determined to be the last one out. Finally, he saw old Bob come in, sneak over to the plaque and turn it round. And Pastor pounced. Bobby said, don't you believe in prayer? Oh, sure, he said, Pastor, I believe in prayer. I just don't like change. <clears throat> we, we can all be guilty of that, can't we? So we can all be resistant to change. <clears throat> we can be resistant to change in our inner lives and we can certainly be resistant to change in our church life. But if we are sincere about wanting to participate in God's building project, then we have to be open to change. We all need to be open to God's work amongst us, but God's church is a building project. And I assure you, when God gets to work, we will all need to change. So one question we could take, reflect on later on, just uh, you know, if we start to regather as church, are we willing to be part of God's continued building project, which has existed here over many years? All right, but we need to examine ourselves before the Lord and say, uh, you know, am I part of this? Am I, do I want to be part of what God is still doing in this place? Primarily building a home, a house for all people, spiritual, holy, a place of sacrifice, a place where people offer up love and gratitude in acts of loving service. We can only answer this question individually, and I'm not going to ask anybody to wave a hand around at all. It's a personal question, but it's a good question to ask. And then going from building, I just want to go to, I've got to point it that way. Okay, over to you, Ian. Okay, well, don't mind, it's only a slide. But then moving on to that second point in that psalm, we had building, and then we all had, had watching, but I'm, I'm looking at that in the context of maintaining things and keeping things going. Um, protecting, guarding what is good. And again, the same sort of question, what should we be watching over and protecting? What are we trying to maintain? What are we trying to preserve? Is it certain types of activities which have been maybe the, right, the root for God's work in the past, but is that still where we are? Is it the activity we're protecting? We do need to take care in church life uh, because we can find ourselves protecting what is external, what is material. We can find ourselves protecting our types of worship, which you like. There's nothing wrong with liking different types of worship. But when we start guarding them, it's a danger. Our organisations, our buildings. And we assume that God will want to do likewise. But again, coming back to 1 Peter, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So if we listen to those words, we've got to ask ourselves, what is God guarding? What is God 
yeah, garden, if that thing's in. Um, is it not those precious stones? Stones being built up into that holy spiritual house. If that is what is so precious to him through his word, then surely that is what we need to be protecting too. Those things need to be precious to us, not the buildings or the organisations. But people, people of all ages, of all ethnicity and race and background, people. Charles Spurgeon's, uh, he had a publication in his day called The Sword and the Trow. I imagine John knows this. <laughs> um, and it's a title uh, that he picked very deliberately because it acknowledges the importance that while we work with our trowels, which are little day-to-day -day things in the gardening world, as it were, uh, it's also important that we wear a sword. It's like a sense of guarding what is precious to God. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out to correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instructions. In other words, precious living stone that is built up in the word also needs to be guarded and protected in the word. So that's why this, this church has a number of house groups, for example. One of their functions is to guard and protect and help people grow in the word. But they don't cover the whole church. And they, so, but that's a good example of, of how you might do this. As churches, we need to obviously always be open to those who don't know Christ, but we need to continually always watch over one another, the living stones around us. If we don't guard what God wishes to guard, then our efforts are misdirected, and it's likely that whatever efforts we make will in time be pulled down by the world. Jesus said, he said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Nor can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There we go. Oh, we're off. So drawing this, these threads to a close, as Paul said to the Corinthians, none of us are anything more than God's fellow workers. People whose sense of vision and unity is founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what a privilege it is to be God's fellow worker. Now, I've never been fond of hierarchies in churches, just one of my personal dislikes. Um, we all have individual gifts. We all take on different roles, hopefully using the gifts we've been given. Um, but we're all part of one common task. And our, we are participating in what God is building and what God is guarding. A building of precious stones. Believing souls placed there one by one, called by God, the master builder. Our unity of purpose as church is founded in our shared participation with God's work and not in our own. So I've got two final little points to make here. And they both involve signs. I was going to propose you put these outside. I'm sure Peter probably will object, actually. But, the, uh, well, no, I'm not. Slightly tongue-in-cheek. Churches are, by, therefore, by definition of what I've been trying to say, they're building sites. They are messy places. They aren't nice, neat, tidy places. They're building sites. They're under construction. 
So maybe one of these signs on the door might remind us every time we come into the door that this is a place being built. Whether you're talking about building or maintaining, we are all still very much work in progress. No one is a finished product. So because we recognize that, we could take on the advice of Paul in Colossians 3.12. As God's chosen people, holy, dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. We are all work in progress. But the other sign, if you're not too keen on this one, the other sign you could have, you just go for it and have one of these on your door. Caution God at work. Now, places are, churches are places where we, we hope God is at work. I would hope you nod and say, yeah, 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 you hope God is at work. But if we believe that, we need to act accordingly. So maybe a, a sign like this on the door might just remind us. You know, if you were to come in that door one day and you knew a very pers- important person was here in this room, you might smarten up. I'm not, I'm not very, I'm a casual dresser myself. There's no, no comment about clothing. But you would, you, you would be ready. If, you know, if the Queen of England was sitting here, you know, you know, you would be, your attitude of going that door would be different. Well, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is here, and we need to take that and recognise that. So we need to be very careful. It's a warning, in a way, that all who, who enter should tread with care. It's God's building, and as such, holy ground. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So as we start to regather post-COVID, I do hope we might do so seeking to discern the work that God now wishes to do in us and through us in this place and the role we have in that. Whether it's building some new work or maintaining a long-established one, let's do both with the right attitude. Eyes that are fixed on our sovereign Lord who calls his people to come and work alongside him. We rejoice in the faith we share but then, I hope you agree that there is also both an awesome privilege and also a very challenging privilege as well that God calls us, as it were, to labour in this world for him. Amen.